Praise God. I'd like you to stand with me as we turn to the Word this morning. And uh, appreciate uh, the hospitality of Brother and Sister Butcher. They know that my wife and I have had too much sugar in our life, and so uh, they've been helping to reduce that for us, and my sugar levels are showing that. <laughs> and uh, appreciate that. And then they've just let us rest. I've been kind of made a joke of a little bit the last few days about my napping, because every time they look at me, my head's down like this, or over the side, or whatever. <clears throat> but uh, I was doing some calculating. Since the 30th of December, I've been on 19 airplanes. I've been in 11 time zones. Or cha I've changed time zones eight times, 11 hours difference total. Uh, I preached or taught 41 times and uh, been on three continents. So I guess I have a little bit of a reason to get tired once in a while. <laughs> but uh, this is our second trip to Australia. <laughs> and uh, we're, we are thankful for the kindness that they have shown us and the, the understanding. That's what happens when you have friends, though. You can, you can just sort of let your hair down, I guess they say. But uh, we have appreciated being here uh, very much and always enjoy being with them. We're looking forward to having them come and visit us in Pakistan again. Praise God. Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. And uh, <clears throat> I'd like to begin reading at verse 13. There are some messages that come to me just like this, and I guess it is with all preachers. It just seems like everything boom, 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 it's right there. And there are others that are messages of a lifetime. A little here, a little bit there, and a little bit more somewhere else, and then you put it all together. And I guess this is probably one of them. I got the initial inspiration when I was in Bible college, but the Lord has added to this over the years. And so I, I just feel, I felt very impressed to share this this morning. I looked at other thoughts and possibilities, but this is the direction that I have felt. And I'm going to read in Acts chapter 15, beginning at verse 13. And after they had held their peace, James answered and uh, saying, Men and brethren, uh, listen to me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written. After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. That the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things." Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you for the worship that has gone up and it has brought your presence into this place. Now as your word goes forth, I'm asking for anointing, recognizing without you we can do nothing. I'm asking that you would minister by your power, by your spirit, and we pray, Lord, that you would bring revelation and understanding. We ask these things in the name now, which is above every name, and that name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just glorify him for a few moments. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. We've read to you from the book of Acts, chapter 15. This was a special conference or congress that was called by the early church. There had been a dispute. Uh, There were some of the uh, Jewish converts who felt like that Gentiles coming into the church needed to adopt Jewish traditions and customs as well. And uh, so this was creating a little bit of friction in the church because many uh, Gentiles were not following all of the Jewish customs. And so they gathered together in Jerusalem for this uh, discussion and uh, the ones who felt you should be uh, following Jewish traditions gave their point. And then the Apostle Peter stood up and he talked about his experience going to the house of Cornelius and how the Holy Ghost had fallen upon the Gentiles while he was speaking the word and that God had given them that spirit even before they had started following a lot of Jewish uh, rules and traditions. And then the Apostle Paul and Barnabas stood up and talked about how God had been moving uh, through their ministry among the Gentiles in different uh, parts of the world. And so, finally, James, who was the moderator, stood up and, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he said, uh, Men and brethren, I think that uh, as Simeon has declared uh, how that God first came to the Gentiles and called out of them a people for his name, which actually agrees what our prophets said, and I'm paraphrasing here now, but he said, after this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up. Why? That the residue of men, the remnant of men, might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles. Okay, they had been talking about the Gentiles becoming a Jew first before they could become a Christian. But he said that all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Uh, It's interesting to me that the Apostle James would refer to an Old Testament scripture uh, that talked about the tabernacle of David being rebuilt. And the reason why it seems very strange is because For hundreds of years, the Jews had looked for the time when they could have a temple of their own. They had, uh, under Moses, had a tabernacle that was the place of worship. And eventually, under Joshua, this tabernacle was moved into the promised land, and it was placed at Shiloh. And people worshipped there for many years. But the dream of the Jewish people for thousands of years was that they would have their own temple. And now, in Jerusalem, they had that temple. People were coming from around the world uh, on pilgrimage 
to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. It was the center of the Jewish religion. It was the very heart of their faith. And so it would seem strange that the Apostle James would say that God is going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. Why would he rebuild a tent when the building that everybody had looking had looked for was standing in that very city? It didn't seem to make sense. But he said this is going to be something that will impact all of mankind. It will not just be one place. You see, he was actually referring to not a building, but he was referring to a type of worship. He was not talking about a temple in the sense of brick and mortar. He was talking about a place of worship. This morning we have worshipped the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord came in as we were glorifying His name. And so James said, David had a special kind of worship that was different than temple worship or even the worship that was in the original tabernacle because that had been changed over time and David actually had one constructed. But it was of a different kind of construction than the original one that Moses had made. In the book of First Chronicles chapter 15 and verse 1, after David became king of Israel, he moved into the city of Jerusalem. For 40 years he had been running from King Saul and living out in the wilderness. And now finally as king he could move into the city of Jerusalem And it tells us in 1 Chronicles chapter 15 and verse 1. And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. He said, it says here that David, who had been wandering in the wilderness, when he finally got to Jerusalem, he said, I'm not just going to have one house, I'm going to have several houses. And so he made several houses for himself because he'd been living in in caves and in tents and looking up under the stars as a young shepherd. It seemed like he had spent most of his life outside. But now he had actually come to a place where he could build a house. And so he said, I won't just have one, I'll have many. But it said, for the ark of God, which is where the presence of God was. And remember, in Moses' days, the ark of the covenant was in the holiest place. The tent had two rooms. The first one was the holy place, and then there was the holiest of holies. And the ark was in that place, and only the high priest could come once a year. And he wore bells around his feet with a rope. Because if the sacrifice that he brought from the altar outside was not accepted, he would die in that holy place. And they would pull him out because the sound of the bells had stopped. And so this was the situation. But now we find that David is uh, uh, pitching a tent uh, for God's ark, which had been taken by the Philistines. And now he had brought back. It had been openly viewed by many people. 
It was different. It was in a different position and situation. And so he brought this ark and pitched a tent for it. Now, it's interesting to me in chapter 16 of First Chronicles uh, how the kind of worship that went on in this tent was different than the tent that Moses had constructed. Verse 1 of chapter 16, So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it, and they offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before God. It wasn't the priests doing it. It was everybody doing it. And when David had made an end of offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Theoretically, the Levites did that kind of thing. But here David was doing it as a king. And it tells us in verse 3, he dealt to everyone of Israel, both man and woman, every single person, every man, every woman. He said, to, uh, everyone was given a loaf of bread and a piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. And he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord. David appointed them. And there were several of them, not just one, not just the high priest. And to record and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. Instead of the Levites going with trembling uh, hands into that holy place and expecting that they could die, it said that they went in with worship. And it said that in verse 5, Asaph, the chief, and next to him, uh, Asaph was the, the main uh, praise leader, Asaph the chief, and next to him, Zechariah, Zael, and uh, Shemiramoth, and Zahil, and Mataniah, and Eliab, and Benaiah, and Obed-Edom, and Jael, and with psalteries, and with harps. But Asaph made a sound with cymbals. So all of these musicians came in with harps. Asaph came in with cymbals. Benaiah also, and Jehaziel the priests, with trumpets, continually before the Ark of the Covenant. What a totally different picture. One high priest could go in once a year in fear and trembling. But now all of a sudden in David's tabernacle, anybody could go in. There was worship. There was not just going in with fear and trembling, but there was going in with a, an openness and saying we can worship God before this Ark freely. Praise God. The whole atmosphere was tainted. You see, this is what uh, James was talking about. The taber tabernacle of David has broken down because now we've got this big temple in Jerusalem again. And once again, the high priest goes in. And once again, we've ha got our formal kind of religion. But he said, we want to restore the kind of worship and praise that David had. We want to build up a new kind of tabernacle that's been drawn, uh, torn down. It's fallen down over the years. And we want to restore that kind of worship where anybody can come before the Lord. It's not just confined to one man once a year. Praise God. Praise God. In First Chronicles chapter 17... In verse 1, it says, And it came to pass as David sat in his house, that David said to Nathan the prophet, Lo, I dwell in a house with cedars, 
but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains. In other words, it's in a tent. Then Nathan said to David, Do all that is in thine heart, for God is with thee. He said, Go ahead and do what you want. If you want to build a house for the Lord. And it came to pass in verse 3, that same night that the word of the Lord, or word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell David my servant, Thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not build me an house to dwell in. Now, when David expressed a desire to build this, Nathan at first thinking through his own mind, yeah, go ahead and do that. But that night, God spoke to Nathan and said, I want you to tell David, I do not want him to build me a house. Well, that sounds strange. I'm living in two or three houses myself, and God doesn't want me to build him one. Why wouldn't he? Verse 5, For I have not dwelt in a house since the day that I brought up Israel unto this day, but have gone from tent to tent and from one tabernacle to another. You see, the first tabernacle that Moses built or had constructed eventually wore out. And so they had to make another one. And when that one wore out, they made another one. It went from tent to tent and from tabernacle to tabernacle. That's where the ark was. And I believe he was saying simply this. David, I want you to understand that I'm not just going to be confined to one place and one time, but I'm going to move from person to person, from generation to generation. Hallelujah. I'm going to be able to move among all the people, all the Gentiles. I'm going to be able to move upon everyone who would call upon my name, everyone who wants to blow a trumpet in front of the ark, everybody who wants to play a harp or a keyboard, everyone who wants to play the drums, everybody who wants to clap their hands, everybody who wants to shout. It's going to be open for them. Hallelujah. 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 So he said, uh, I went from tent to tent and from one tabernacle to another. Verse 6, Wheresoever I have walked with all Israel, spake I a word to any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people, saying, Why have you not built me in house of cedars? He said, All the judges, Samson, Samuel, you can name the whole list. He said, I never asked them even one time. I didn't ask you, any one of the prophets, to build me a special house of cedars. Verse 7, Now therefore thus saith, uh, thus uh, thou shalt say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote, even from following the sheep, that thou shouldest be ruler over my people Israel. He said, David, you got a grasp of what I was really looking for. I created man in the beginning so he, I would have somebody to communicate with, that I would have fellowship with. That's what Adam and Eve were created for in the beginning. And we used to walk every night in the cool of the garden and, and we would have fellowship and we would talk and we would communicate. But sin has removed that communication. But David, there was something in your heart as you lay on the Judean hillsides looking up into the stars at night, you begin to communicate with me. There was something in your heart that reached out for me. And I began to talk to you in a way that I hadn't talked to anybody else. 
Moses had spoken to me and others had spoken, but you loved me. It was just out of the love of your heart and communicating. That's what I was looking for. And so he said, I saw you where you were and I ultimately brought you out of the sheep coat and took you to the palace. And then in verse 8 he said, And I have been with thee whithersoever thou hast walked and have cut off all thine enemies from before thee and made thee a name like the name of the great men that are in the earth. Because you sought me, David, I brought you to a position of power and authority. Now you're among the great men of the earth. People look up to you. They don't see you as a shepherd anymore. They don't see you as somebody who's running from Saul. They see you as a man with power and authority, one of the great ones of the earth. Praise God. And then I want you to notice verse 10. And since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, moreover, I will subdue all thine enemies. Furthermore, I tell thee that the Lord will build thee and house. Okay, here's the key. The Lord said, I don't want you to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. Praise God. Now just think about that for a moment. It's an amazing thing. You see, I've traveled around the world. I was in Paris a couple of weeks ago. They took me downtown. They have that uh, cathedral, the Notre Dame, and it, a lot of it was burned recently. Uh, I've seen some of the most famous mosques in the world, some of the biggest temples. I've seen uh, all kinds of spectacular buildings that man has made for God. But God said, I would rather you not make me a building, but let me make a building for you. I want to turn this around completely. And uh, the thing is, when man makes a building, even if it lasts for a thousand years, ultimately it will probably be destroyed. That cathedral was basically destroyed by a fire just uh, a year ago or so. And buildings that uh, we, vi- we visited uh, in September, we were in Turkey, and we visited a lot of, of uh, cities, and there's ruins everywhere. They were thousands of, they're thousands of years old, but the, the ruins have fallen down. But you see... Jesus uh, told his uh, disciples one day, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm not just going to build something that's going to last even for a thousand years, but I'm going to build something that's going to last for eternity. He said, you may want to build me a house, but I want to build one for you. It's going to be eternal in the heavens. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So that uh, takes us then to John chapter 14. And I don't want to cross anyone's doctrine, but uh, I've only heard people use this scripture talking about heaven. And uh, quite frankly, if you read the context of the chapter, the full chapter, it's not talking about heaven. Now, I believe about it. I believe in heaven. I believe we need to prepare to go there. I believe it's a reality. But this chapter is not talking about heaven. This chapter is talking about the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 1, 
Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, God told David, I'm going to build you a house. In my father's house are many mansions. Now, this is King James English. Today, a mansion means a huge house, an exceptionally large house. So it's probably not talking about a house inside of a house. But it's talking about rooms. And many translations uh, uh, say it that way. In my father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go and prepare a place for you. So people think, well, he's talking about heaven. Well, just hold on for a moment. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come, uh, let's see, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where, not where I will be, that where I am, there you may be also. He wasn't talking about a future place in the sense of where he was, where I am. That's where you are going to be also. Where was Jesus? He was standing right there in front of them in physical body, but he was God manifest in the flesh. Because Colossians 2 and 9 says, In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So here he is standing there saying, After my death and burial and resurrection, I'm going to ascend to heaven and prepare a place where you can be in the position that I am in now. And that will be that God's Spirit will dwell in you. In other words, you will become the tabernacle that I will build. You will become that movable, uh, mobile tent that can go from place to place. Hallelujah. Today we don't have to go to Jerusalem to find the presence of God. We don't have to go to Rome to find this is where God is. But wherever we go is where God goes. Because He dwells within us. And we are His tabernacles. Hallelujah. 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 You say, well, can you explain that a little more? I'm glad you asked. In uh, verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but you know Him. Oh, you, it's not, you're, you're not going to know Him later on. You know Him now. And it said, uh, For He dwells with you. He's living with you and shall be in you. He's living with you right now. You know Him. But the time is coming when He's going to actually be living in you. And it said in verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And then in verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me and will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we shall come unto him and make our abode with him. This is all talking about the same thing. 
It's talking about the Holy Ghost, the Lord coming by His Spirit. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of Jesus. There aren't two spirits that come in us, but uh, the Holy Ghost, because Jesus said, I will come to you. And so He is the Comforter. He is the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Hallelujah. So He said, I am going to build you a house. You're going to... Uh, be a part of, of, uh, of that house that I'm going to construct. And then if you will look at Ephesians chapter 2, and reading in verse 10, the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, and he said in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. He's building a house with us. He's building a house from different parts of the world. Here today, there are people from different countries. You come from different backgrounds. I'm, well, technically I'm Canadian. I was born in India and, and uh, I've lived in several different countries. But I do have a Canadian passport because that's what my parents were when I was born. So, uh, but, but the Lord picks people up from everywhere. There are people here from from uh, the African continent, from the European continent. There are people here from different parts of the world. And the Lord went and found different pieces to pull together so he could build and construct this tabernacle. He could make rooms with different ones of of us so that he could come and dwell. Let's look at verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 2. And we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple in the Lord. He is taking different parts from different places in the world and fitting them all together. They said that when Solomon's temple was constructed that uh, all of the pieces were measured and cut away from the actual site where it was constructed. So when they brought them together, there was not even the sound of a hammer. They just all fit together. And I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to all just fit together. We're being constructed down here. We're being chiseled. That's why we go through trials and tribulations. That's why we go through difficulties. But the Lord is putting us together so that making us, so when we get to that side, we're all going to fit perfectly. Everybody will have his place and we will be a temple of worship for him in the heavens forever. Hallelujah. Praise God. Verse 22, in whom you also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. We are the place God dwells in. When we walk out of this building, God's not here anymore, except that He fills all space. But in the sense of of being actually communicating and so on, active, Uh, He doesn't stay in a building here then. He goes where His people go. And when we die, there's just another tabernacle that's built. He goes from tent to tent and tabernacle to tabernacle. And the church continues on. It's 2,000 years old now. And with this generation, the Lord doesn't come. Uh, 
is gone, there's going to be another generation rise up. He's going to move into the next generation. Praise God. By His Spirit, by His power. Praise God. Praise God. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. Peter said in First Peter 2 and 5, You also as lively stones. Uh, it probably means sparkling, but it looks like they're alive. Are built up a spiritual house. So the Lord is the builder. He said, I'm going to build you a house. A spiritual house. And holy priesthood priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. This is what they did in David's day. Any Levite could go and worship. Any man, woman was given the things to, to worship. Anybody could go into the presence of God. And so he's saying, Peter is saying here now that we are priests. All of us are priests. And uh, <clears throat> we're also uh, 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 part of that priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We used to be in sin. We couldn't do that before. But now through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can go and walk uh, boldly into His presence. Praise God. We can have confidence that uh, we can go there and not be afraid. And then closing uh, today in Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul was in Athens and uh, on Mars Hill, and they had the tradition of different philosophers coming and discussing the philosophies of the day. They had made a tavern or a, an altar to the unknown God because they worshiped many and they didn't want to leave any out. And so Paul used that as a means of begin talking to them. And he said uh, uh, to the, the, the unknown God whom you uh, ignorantly worship, I'm going to declare him to you. In verse 24, he made this statement. And God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands because he wants to build it. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. So now we're all one blood. It's not just the Jews who can go and worship in the temple at Jerusalem, but all the Gentiles, all nations of men can come together that hath been determined uh, the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitations. He set up boundaries where they would be that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after Him and find Him though He be not far from every one of us. It doesn't matter where they are. If they will reach for him, he's going to be there. He's very, very close. And so here in Perth, Australia, you don't have to make a trip to Jerusalem to find him. He's already here. He's already come to this place. And it doesn't matter who we are or what condition we've come from. The Lord loves us. And he wants to add you to a, as being a part of his building. 
He wants you to become a part of that place that's going to be eternal in the heavens, that He is going to use as His house. Praise God. Praise God. And then He said in verse 28, For in Him we live and move. We are mobile. And have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Praise God. Praise God. Several years ago, we had been on furlough, and Sister Sean probably can tell this a lot better than I can, but I'm preaching today, so I guess I'll do it. Uh, several years ago, we had come back from what we call deputation. That's when uh, we, we would spend four years out on the mission field, and then we go back for a year to North America to raise funds for our work. And so we had been there for a year and had come back. A lady working uh, for us from Bangladesh in her home had been watching the home while we were away. And shortly after we arrived back, uh, she told Sister Shom uh, a dream or a vision that she had had. And uh, this lady had a, a Muslim background, uh, <clears throat> didn't really know anything about Christianity at all except what she had seen through us. And so she told Sister Sham, she said, you know, Sister Sham, I had this dream or vision, and uh, I was in a very, very dark place. It was intense darkness. You couldn't see anything anywhere. And I knew I was walking on a very narrow pathway with huge cliffs on both sides. And I, if I made a false step, I would fall and die. But she said, as I was walking along, straining to see where I was going and trying to carefully put my feet one step after the other. I happened to look up and I saw a pinprick of light coming in the distance towards me. And uh, eventually it became larger and larger. And I wonder, what is this light? Where is it coming from? And uh, suddenly a child appeared at her side and said, Noor, don't you know who that is? She said, how am I supposed to know? Yeah, I have no way of knowing who this is. And he said, well, that's Jesus. And so she said, oh, of course, that's who it is. And by this time, the figure had approached and she could recognize his face in the light. And because of the light, she happened to glance to the left-hand side and there was a, a, a little bit of land jutting out and had a mud, mud house on it. And so Jesus said, Noor, would you like to come in with me and, and have something to have a little rest and have some, something to drink? And so he took out a, a small bottle of water, she said, about this size. And uh, he said, here, are you thirsty? And she said, you know, I had been walking in the darkness all this time, concentrating so much that I wouldn't fall, that I hadn't noticed how thirsty I was. But when he offered me this small bottle, she said, I kind of laughed, well, how's that going to quench my thirst? He said, take it. And so she took it and, and drank it, and she said it was the most beautiful tasting water I had ever had, and it totally quenched my thirst. But when he offered me another one because it tasted so good, I said, yes, I'll take it. And as he was handing it to me, I dropped it, and it shattered on the floor. And she said, I suddenly woke up and realized I had been dreaming, and, and I said, oh, the Lord has gone. She said, a voice came out of the darkness and said, no, Noor, I've been with you all your life. I've been leading and guiding you, 
And uh, I want you to know that I'm still with you. A few months later, she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. But what I'm saying is this. There are people everywhere that are seeking Him. And I want you to know that the Lord is here today. He's in this place. He loves you, and He wants to add you to this building that He is constructing, a place of worship that He will receive glory from. Praise God. And He wants you to become a part of it. Would you stand with me? Maybe there's someone here that's been kind of wandering in their life. They didn't know really where they were going. Felt like they were just kind of lost. Well, I want you to know that Jesus has been looking for you, and he's found you here today. And he wants to add you to his temple. He wants to uh, have you become a part of the house that he is building, the house that he's constructing. And uh, if you need to have your heart changed by his love, if you feel lonely or desperate, you feel like you're on your own, he's here. And he wants to fill you with his presence. Praise God.